Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer Podcast. We share the stories of dedicated Booster Club volunteers and the tools and strategies they use to run successful booster clubs. We also have sought out experts on fundraising, volunteer management, and running nonprofits to share best practices. Hosted by Robin Eisler and Evan Eisler, you won't want to miss these great episodes that will help you run your booster club like a champ. Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer. Today we have Carrie McDonald, CPCU, with RV Nucio and Associates joining us. RV Nucio is an insurance firm that specializes in parent groups and booster clubs. And Carrie has extensive experience in helping nonprofits manage their liability and risk. Carrie, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and RV Nucio and how do you get into the parent support organization insurance business? Well, RV Nucio and Associates has uh, extensive experience with parent teacher groups since 1952. I started with the company 29 years ago. And my first account that I worked on was the California State Parent Teachers Association. And so for 29 years, I've kept working with all of these groups, parent teachers groups, PTOs, school support groups, booster clubs, they all have different names that they like to use. So I've got extensive experience from that standpoint of ensuring them, dealing with risk management, teaching them how to have their events safely, and also providing them with ways to do things. Sometimes we have to even give them some advice, not legal advice, but keep them away from legal problems that they might get into. So we do help a lot with a lot of risk management from that standpoint, as well as provide the insurance for them and try to provide the best coverage we can with the best rates. So tell me why, like you're a booster club and you're primarily at your school for your events and things like that. Why don't you just fall under the school insurance? Well, first of all, schools in general are having a very difficult time getting insurance and maintaining the cost of insurance. So the cities and the taxpayers pay for the insurance for the schools and the school districts. So we are seeing within all of the schools less and less ability to have programs being run on their property because of the insurance losses that they are incurring. So they typically will not extend their coverage to any other group. A PTO or booster club, any of the parent-teacher clubs are actual separate legal entities and will be considered a separate legal entity in a lawsuit. So it is very rare that a school will actually cover these groups. And if they do, they sometimes will offer maybe some accident medical coverage that the parents can pay a couple dollars for for their kids while they're in their sports programs. But for the other coverages, they don't provide them. And most of the school districts we now see across the United States request to be added to the school support groups policy as an additional insured. So they're trying to make these small groups take on a lot of the risk that the schools don't want. So it's a very somewhat balancing act to try to keep the pricing down for these groups, try to teach them how to do things safely because the schools are not really their friends in the long run when it comes to a lawsuit. So, so if you're is, if you're in the school and you're running the concession stand at the basketball game or volleyball game, mm-hmm. your booster club has risk in that. Well, we have a lot of groups that do concession stands for the big stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. And they're selling alcohol. Mm. That 
they should never do. That's when they have to go out and get specific uh, insurance for that liquor liability coverage. If they're doing just concession stands for the local football game or something like that, that's usually covered under the insurance policies and there's not an issue with them doing concession stands. Gotcha. And then if the booster club owns a piece of equipment or machinery, coffee pot or a popcorn machine and somebody gets injured or burned or something from that, is that going to fall under the booster club? Typically, and if the school is added as an additional insured, they're going to try to place all the burden onto the group and not on them. Gotcha. Oftentimes in certain types of claims, both parties will be brought into it depending on who's sponsoring the event. So we've talked a little bit about some examples of things going to happen. What are like the three top risks? If you are one of these school support organizations, you know, what would you categorize as your three top risks? Top risk as far as insurance or, or what they should be looking at as far as a group as a formation? I would say it's insurance. You know, what are the things that can get them in trouble on the insurance side? Well, because the boards change over quite often, there's not a lot of continuity in the groups unfortunately. So they really have to, the main and the most exposure that they have to very large lawsuits would be come under general liability coverage. This covers them for bodily injury and property damage. So somebody slips and falls or gets injured at one of their events that they would have coverage if they're named in a lawsuit. And that is slip and falls are one of the most common things or people being burned on equipment that they're using to either cook hamburgers, a popcorn machine, an ice maker, all of those kind of things. And, and burns are, are pretty serious claims as well. So we always tell a group they only have X amount of dollars to buy insurance, to buy the general liability coverage first. That would be the very first one that we would always advise them to buy. Uh, the second one is a bonding coverage. And we call it crime coverage here in our office because we extend it to cover the money that they handle outside of the school or when they're taking it to the bank and we have it so that volunteers are covered. It's not just the board members handling the money. So it covers them for forgery and alteration, theft, disappearance and destruction and many claims from that. And that comes from, again, somewhat lack of organization where people don't have a lot of time in these groups. The parents don't because they've got kids and they're running here and running there and full-time jobs. So I feel that the you know, being having running these groups very organized as well as possible will maintain the risks of them having a loss. But you do want to have those insurance policies in place just in case there is one. And what are some of the other kinds? Like I've heard of DNO insurance. What exactly is that? What does that cover? Directors and officers insurance, that gets a, a lot of press in the news for big corporations. We don't see a lot of claims issues at the level of the PTOs and booster clubs. And what it does is it covers them for acts of errors or omissions that they make, bad decisions made by the board, right? And so the, where the members can actually sue the directors for making a bad decision. People like to purchase that because they think it's covering them for what's covered under a general liability policy, and it's not. So directors and officers liability will not cover what's under a general liability policy or bonding policy. Mm -hmm. So that would be, say, the third on my list that we would advise somebody to have coverage for. And then we have additional accident medical coverage, 
that is very broad where they're having sports programs or fundraising events, things of that nature, that it's a like no fault coverage if somebody gets injured. And then we have property coverage. So that covers like groups that own property, their popcorn machines, their band equipment, depending on the type of booster club they are. We have astronomy clubs. Sometimes they have, you know, telescopes, any kind of property that they own. Some of them have trailers and those should be included in, in as well. So each group has a little bit different type of needs and each state has different types of needs, obviously. I think a lot of people don't realize when they take on the role as an officer of a booster club or or a PTA that you've really stepped into a fiduciary role in a corporation and there are risks with that. And, And I think that's where you really need to consider that and then consider the insurance possibilities because you are stepping into a role that could put you liable for something in the future. Well, absolutely. They really are running their own business. It's like running a school within a school. Mm -hmm. So the school has all of their insurance and a school support group needs to have all of their insurance in place as well, as well as all the other types of organizational things which they need, you know, which is to run their finances, to run their events properly, you know, to have proper meetings. All of that works together to make a cohesive work and work smoothly. What's an example of kind of the worst case scenario claim you've seen, just general idea of what it was and and how much money, you know, what in the school support arena? I have one right now that is not settled yet. And it's rather sad that this happened. However, I'll back up a second. A PTA used a fundraising company and the fundraising company was online. And so the PTA never took in any of the money. They just distributed it to their members and for awards for this fundraising, toys were given out to the different children. And this fundraising company sent the toys directly to the children's homes. So the PTA never really had anything to do with it other than saying, use this fundraising company and we'll get extra money because we're using them. One of these toys actually was being played by by a young child. And it was um, a spin type of toy and it flew up in it and it took out his uncle's eye. So that's close to a million dollar claim. Wow. And the PTA didn't have their hands on any of it. Wow. So that is where groups have to, and because this fundraising company was getting all of the toys from China, you can't sue anybody in China. Mm -hmm. So it relies back on the school support groups insurance. Gotcha so many layers removed, you wouldn't even think it would have impacted the PTA, but it's a good example of you've got to really think those things through. Right. So in our office, we have extensive safety guides that we provide to them that give them a lot of knowledge on different types of events, because certain events do have certain amount of claims, like they're the same for 20 years. They've been the same kind of claims, you know, (laughs) it's just like, there's going to be burn from coffee pots. There's good. I mean, there's all sorts of different types of claims that are kind of the same thing over and over and over again. And now we're seeing awards being given by juries that are much larger than the limits of insurance that the parent teacher groups are purchasing. And so we have to really help teach them how to run these events properly. And that, and we use these guides to help them do that. 
Well, I imagine in, in a lot of cases, the word would wipe out the organization. Well, in certain cases, sometimes it's not an insurance-related thing because insurance doesn't cover everything. Right. So gotcha. we, we have a groups that didn't file their tax returns for 10 years, mm-hmm. and now they're being fined. <laughs> so we have to explain to them, sorry, there's nobody that covers IRS-related tax things under <laughs> an insurance policy. That. But that's it's important that they know all of those types of things because insurance doesn't cover them. They have to know, you know, that they have to file their tax forms every year and stuff like that. So it's really important that they have all of that down as well, because those items would not be covered under insurance. We talk a lot about theft in booster clubs. How many generally per average year, how many theft claims do you see? Like how big is theft in these organizations? Well, we've really seen an uptick since the pandemic and the economy downturn. And typically over the period of time that I've been involved in it, a lot of the groups, when money is stolen, it's either from a school administrative individual, if the money is kept at the school, not necessarily from one of the treasurers or something like that. Sometimes it is the treasurers. We've had losses happen from the husbands taking the money. had people throw it away, but basically there has been an uptick in especially being able to do things online and the groups not, you know, meeting once a month and taking a look at the treasurer's reports and being able to shorten the time of loss. They'll just let these people go off for a year and then they don't realize that they've gotten into them $20,000, $50,000 and then they have to answer to the board, but to the members of the organization, like, why did you let this happen? Right. So we really try to implement and, and help them understand that, that keeping track of their money is really, really important because even if you go to the police, you can't just say this money's missing. You have to have a proof of loss. Right. So, but it's sad that there is a lot of these groups will not press charges against people that steal the money because they feel bad for them. And for me, it's, you're still ch- stealing from the children. <laughs> yeah, so. it's, just, it's, always, it's kind of a worst thing you could do to me is, you know, you have all these people who are volunteering their time and donating their money. And, right. you know, it's like it's stealing from the needy. It's just a terrible thing to do. And it's such a good practice to have bank statements and financial reports and read only access for several people on the board so that everybody can see what that bank statement looks like at the end of the month and the money in and the money out. Absolutely. Such a good practice. Yes. So just in general, what does it cost to like insure a a typical single activity booster club? You know, not some of our bigger groups that are unique. You have a ballpark. So So our our 1 million per occurrence, 2 million liability policy starts at $155 per year. And we have uh, bonding or crime coverage, as I explained, that starts off at $83 a year, and you can buy higher limits if you want. Our directors and officers coverage is very, very affordable at $51 a year. And the accident medical has different limits, but it starts at $98 a year. And our property coverage starts at $100 a year, and that can go up based on the value of property that they want to purchase. So in general, for four to $500 a year for a typical club, you can cover everything. Now that has some dependencies, obviously, but. Right, right. So it's a good. And some have bigger budgets, so they want higher limits and some have very small budgets. So they only need certain coverages. Right. That's good because it's, 
I know when we started getting coverage back when I ran our booster club, I just had no much, no idea how much it would cost, you know? And so we, we got some quotes and then I thought, gosh, this is something we can't afford not to have. I remember at the time I looked at our bank account and we had about $60,000 in the bank. And I thought, gosh, that's just enough money that I don't feel comfortable being like the sole responsible person for it. It's starting to be substantial enough that I feel like we need some coverage. (laughs) We have, we're seeing groups that are literally up in the millions that Mm -hmm. they're, that they're getting some in the wealthier neighborhoods, basically that are fundraising millions of dollars. And so sometimes at that point, we have to have them even move not from our insurance, but to another type of insurance that can take on some of the riskier things that they're getting involved in. We do, if we have a group that we feel needs a different type of insurance, then we let them know about that and say, this is you know something where you could go and get that from, but it's going to cost them a lot more money. Right, right. Well, they're bigger budgets. They have more activities going mm-hmm. on. And usually yes. a lot of those groups have four or 500 students involved. It's a, you, usually your bigger programs. Right. How do you handle things? So when your board changes over, so you switch boards, it's new people. Does that impact the insurance? Do you need to update, you know, the officers or how does that work? No, we insure the name of the club. So we insure the legal entity, which is the club. And so members come and go, board members come and go, we still insure the club and any members enjoined in any kind of lawsuit or claim with them. So if it's constantly changing, we don't have to update any of that. We do at, say, renewal time, if uh, somebody takes over the insurance and they contact us and we let them know that we can put their new information into the system. But we don't have to have any listing of any board members or anything like that because we've broadened our policies to include it board members and any members of the organization. So any volunteer, if they're working on behalf of the organization, they're covered. Right. Even if they're not a paying member. Correct. Yeah. Any other suggestions, recommendations, best practices that you can provide? Well, there's so many. I think getting (laughs) educated a little bit about the insurance or having one member in the organization that gets a little educated about it so that when they're deciding on what events that they should, that they want to do, uh, that they can have that taken to that person in the group and that person can either reach out to their insurance person and talk to them about the risks that are involved. They can take, there's a lot of other types of things that we tell them to do, which is when they're having events, like let's say a festival or, or a carnival, you can bring in the fire department and t- have them take a look at to make sure that everything is safe and they'll come and do that for free. There's also, you know, making sure that your school district is involved in making sure that your event is is working properly. Always have somebody in attendance from the school at your event, especially if you're going to be there after hours or anything like that and responsible for locking up an actual school. So (laughs) (laughs) don't want that responsibility. Yeah. Yes. I always remembered sometimes being the last one out. And usually I had about three or $4,000 in cash in my pocket leaving from a concession stand. And I always just felt ever so slightly uncomfortable leaving the school yes. at nine or 10 o'clock at night in the dark with that cash in my pocket. Yeah, that, that's a little nerve wracking. I think that with the advent of credit cards and other types of payment methods, we're seeing less and less cash compared to back when I started. But then we see a lot of theft because of that as well from 
within the group because they can access the online systems and they can just withdraw cash, you know, with a, a card very simply, things of that nature. So some things are good and some things aren't. It's just, you know, you have to kind of run a tight ship just like a business does and make sure that that those events are run properly and being managed by somebody and people that want to make sure it runs well. Because once you have a, a big bad claim, it can get in the newspaper. It doesn't look good on the school sport group to have that kind of thing happen to them. And we certainly don't like to see that. Yeah, a lot of states have, there are a couple states that have taken really extreme measures because there were very high profile theft cases of large amounts of money missing. And so they changed their state rules for a lot of the school support organizations. Any other resources that you'd recommend for volunteers looking for information? Well, we have a lot of resources on our website. Um, our safety guides are available for free, whether they insure with us or not. Great. They can take a look at them. That won't apply to every kind of insurance policy because every insurance company has different types of coverages. But it is a good overall historical written document of how to run your events, what type of events to run, what types not to run from a claim standpoint. And with, it has gives a lot of ideas of how to do it efficiently, properly. There We have other resources on there, such as, you know, waivers for the children or parents to sign when they have these events. Sometimes school uh, the groups will want to have them sign when they're having high-risk events. So there's quite a bit of information on there. But I find that it's tough for these booster clubs to really find a lot of information about what they do. It's not relatively easy to find it out there in the marketplace. I mean, in the, excuse me, not the marketplace, on Google or on the internet or anything like that. It is. Generally, it's broad nonprofit, and there are some very specific things that apply to these you know, booster clubs and, and PTAs. Right. And it, it is hard. If you find the right resource, there's some great resources out there. Now, your website, it's uh, rvnucio.com? Correct. And that's N-U-C-C-I-O. Well, Carrie, we'll wrap up today. I always like to end with, so what sports or activities did you do when you were in school? So we, we'd love to hear how everybody started and, and, and see what they've become. Well, I was fortunate enough to have a school that had horses. And so I actually was given one, a really bad, naughty pony uh, <laughs> from the school that they that did not work out for the school. And so that started me owning horses for the rest of my life. And now I have a rather large horse collection. <laughs> uh, but I also enjoyed track and gymnastics quite a bit, competed in that. So awesome. a little bit of all sorts of sports, you know, some softball, things like that. Well, I've never heard of a horse program. So that's very cool. And and so cool that it became a lifelong passion. Yeah, they have horse programs all the way up through um, universities. Really? So yes, that's very so cool. it's, it's something that is not very common anymore, but it's still pretty active in, in certain states. So it's a it's a different type of sport for people, but fun for me. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're so happy to have you. And thanks for sharing this really valuable information. It's just critical to make sure that our organizations keep themselves out of trouble. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. You're welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Boosted Volunteer is brought to you by Booster Hub. 
to find out more about Booster Hub and how our app can help you improve communications, increase engagement, raise more money, and manage your Booster Club responsibly, visit www.boosterhub.com. And then make sure to search for Booster Club Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Booster Hub, thanks for listening.